Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians on the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respects to elders, past, present past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio with myself, Ayan. Hello, Ayan, this is Chris. <laughs> and we have um, Anya, who just like zoomed in, Yeah. Um, who is getting ready. So we have Anya. Yeah. Um, Lauren isn't here, obviously. Um, George will be back next week, so she is in town, but she will be joining us next week on Breakfast um, but yeah, we have an amazing, amazing show today. We've got, um, we'll be looking at Centrelink, so um, uh, women experiencing hardships and how they deal with Centrelink and information that they need to be able to survive if, if they're in an emergency situation. We'll also play some audio from Niyuka Gori. Um, we also have an interview that Anya will be conducting. Mm-hmm. So that's with... Um with someone, Jess, from uh, a team called We Deserve, uh, about a very special event that they're putting up for the trans and gender diverse community. Mm-hmm. And if, you're, if you've got an older person from a culturally and linguistically diverse community, you should stick around because at 10, we have Daniel Corsi from um, FECA coming in, mm-hmm. and he will be coming, well, he'll be on the line to talk to us about a new toolkit, and that toolkit is designed to help. Older, older people from cold communities be able to navigate the aged care commission. So that's very exciting. We also have um, an interview, oh, shout out to Lauren, an interview that Lauren put together um, with Patho Gupta, who is a filmmaker based in Sydney, and he will be here alongside Dr. Yasir Mursi, a lecturer in politics at La Trobe University, and they'll be here to talk about a movie called Slam which looks at Islamophobia. So it's very exciting, but as usual, we have um, Chris to talk about all news and current affairs and all the interesting stuff. happening in the world. Uh, This sounds like a hell of a show, Jesus. Um, Well, first up, I was thinking we could chat a bit about how, I think it was yesterday, the Indian government has announced that it's revoked the uh, basically the special status of a, a disputed region called Kashmir. Um, they've apparently this this was something of an election promise. I, I think mm-hmm. it's it's a they're a nationalistic Hindu party, and um, Kashmir is is predominantly. Uh, Muslim, um, but this they've already like evacuated tourists and they've sent in guards and like it's 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 really got the you know it, it's it's sounds like people are preparing for civil unrest mm. at, at the very least. But it's a um, and then an opposition party is a, I think it might be Pakistan has already 
uh, responded negatively, I'm assuming. Mm. But, um, yeah, because it's the most militarized zone in the world at the moment. I really? Think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, I didn't it's been blowing up my Twitter feed. Wow. It's, uh, it's big. Yeah. And we lots of... Yeah, people are expecting a lot of unrest. Oh, God. Mm. It's, um, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Mm. Um, well, and slightly, slightly better news. Um, New South Wales today will, fingers crossed, become the last state to decriminalise abortion. Mm. Um, yes. Which they've, they've had it, uh, I think... It, it's been accessible in New South Wales, but it, it's been one of those cases where it's like technically limited to this and this and this. Like you, you have to have a reason and all this other, all this other stuff. And I, I think South Australia might have something almost similar as well. They're in like a, a strange space, but um, e- either way, the, the bill comes to one of the houses today. Um, there are a bunch of protests, a lot of misinformation going around, spread largely from people like Barnaby Joyce talking about how it'll mm. allow abortions right up until birth and all, all these people who pretend that it's not. Cases like that are only ever where it's like a, a real health risk, like it's something that the person um, has like carried the baby to term, but you know something has gone, like there's been a complication. So right. It, it's all that kind of context that is missing from the people who say this is, you know, this is going too far, yada yada yada. There's a lot of, um, but yeah. Either way, there's been a lot of protests. There will be a lot of protests today. Mm. Um, next up is uh, the government at the moment is they've, you know, the last few years they've been really, you know, one of the many changes to immigration, which is just great. Um, They've decided to reintroduce a bill that would deport, automatically deport people, and I think it would overwhelmingly affect refugees and people from New Zealand, in that it would deport people who uh, they've convicted uh, convicted of some crime that is punishable by up to two years in prison, even if they don't serve those two years. Mm. And currently they have... Yeah, it's wild. Currently, they do that anyway with um, uh, people who've been there for for a year. I think in prison is all it takes. So any crime that's punishable by by up to two years. Up to two years. Yeah, and the, oh. they've people have predicted if that's anything like the general population, mm-hmm. it'll increase deportations by like five fivefold, like five times whatever the current rate of deportations are. Yeah. And it's something that the government has really, the coalition has really ramped up the last few years. It's been. It's got it's that genuine like lizard brain like selfishness in that it doesn't there's no holistic good here. You're not helping anyone. Mm. You're not helping the person, you're not helping society. Like two years in prison is nothing. People you know, and, um and people there's no reformation idea there, it's just saying, Oh, you go here it's just an excuse to deport people. I think mm. the government loves it, the coalition. They talk about visas as privileges and yada 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 and all these things you it's deeply hypocritical, A, coming from white people, mm. uh, but B, also, um, just like there's no, yeah, there's no long-term thinking then. And it's, yeah, I, I, they had it on the agenda last year, it never got brought up, but mm. this year they've, uh, I think they've, they're thinking of putting it to one of the houses again, that's the federal government. Mm. And that's kind of it for news headlines at the moment. It's, it's a weird, it's one of those weird weeks. Oh, also the US, some US, I think the Secretary of State is in Australia talking about that they're trying to get Australia to increase our, increase regional pressure against China and mm. also join in the, the, you know, the start of the next great war with Iran. They're trying to, um, 
there's there's rumours that they're trying to get more bases in the Northern Territory, which they already have a few. US already has a big presence in MT. Mm. Uh, but they're trying to get Australia to join in against both China, and that's more like, you know, regional stuff, but mm. also um, join in the growing military presence, I guess, near Iran, the, the Gulf, whatever the closest Gulf is. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're creating, like, blockades and all. Yeah, know, well, all and the two mass shootings in the U.S. that happened as well. Yes. The other big yeah, deeply tragic. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about the second one, but the first one was definitely deeply inspired by white supremacy mm. and, like, massive, you know, Trump fan, like, all these things you can point to that say, oh, this is white supremacy. Mm. And he specifically like, released a manifesto saying that he was going to kill the immigrants. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, all there, and it's all there that should, like, A, he should never have had a gun. Um, mm. It's his, you know, and it's that horrific thing. Right? I can't see any... I don't know what the US will, you know, what what the state of gun laws there are ever going to look like, but it's, um, mm. you know, if they had... If the Republicans weren't there, if they had a... You know, they could at least do background checks, and this guy would have, like, flagged. It would have been like, oh, he's made all these threats against women, and mm. all these threats against people who aren't white, and all these, like, all these flags that say you shouldn't have a gun, and you should also probably be in some program, you know. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, and obviously, you know, people are, there's all these in terrible excuses coming out already. You hear about yeah, mental health mental and stuff health like that. Like, yeah. like, I have mental health issues, mm. dude. Like, it's not a, mm. <laughs> it's a gun issue, and it's a white supremacy issue, mm. and it's, it's yeah. also stigmatizing people who have mental health, um, who have mental health uh, challenges, I suppose. Um, so there's that. But you know what's been interesting is that all the, not all, but a few of the Democrat um, candidates have come out and have called it what what it is, which is racism. And mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah. to see no one's like beating around the bushes anymore. Yeah, Everyone's just using the R word, mm. which they should. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. They really are. Like, yeah. there are people just saying, no, it's flat out. Like, he, Trump is absolutely a racist. Yeah. He's more than a racist. Speaking of the R words, there was a column yesterday, I think it was The Australian, oh, about how the, God. you know, the word racist is the new slur that, you know, shouldn't, should be shelved. God, that was insane. <laughs> they placed that right near the coverage of the mass shooting as well. Just yeah. I don't know if that was just bad timing or what, but yeah, it's the saddest, white, most white fragility kind of article. Like, oh. uh, <laughs> put this with the C mm-hmm. word and the N word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you are a joke of a human being. <laughs> this is like, like, even just a mental level, you yeah. are nothing. You yeah. are a weak yeah. little man. Yeah, and I'm pretty. Yeah. I forget what the author's name was. Uh, you know, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, don't white s- man. don't yeah. spread it. Yeah. <laughs> Old rich white man whose only problem in the world is occasionally being called out racism. Mm. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but what's not terrible is that over the weekend I went to go see two shows at the Melbourne International Film Festival. Mm. So <coughs> one of it was a documentary. Um, it was a kind of like a musical documentary about Aretha Franklin. So it's like old kind of recordings. She did this gospel album that was like hugely successful in the 70s. So it was kind of like behind the scenes and during the performance so it's like back and forth mm. it was really good so i thought we would start today's show with a song um that i feel like really um that we all need even even those of us who aren't religious or spiritual and 
That is um, Aretha Franklin's mega classic, which is um, I Sing a Little Prayer. Mm. Yay! Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads, and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions. And look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. El Dorado, the story of Scudiez, is the story of a fight of a small community in northern Greece against a multinational-owned gold mine project that threatens their homes and lives. A grassroots movement is fighting against the destruction of the environment caused by the extraction methods and for democratic control of the most crucial basic resources water, air and land. It shows Greece in the era of social and economic crisis where the rights of communities and the environment collide with big business and profit. This screening will be followed by a performance by Bandidas playing classic Rembetica songs of love and loss, pain and pleasure at Café Gummo, 711 High Street Thornbury on Saturday the 10th of August at 7.30pm. Entry will be by gold coin donation and all funds will go to 3CR. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio with myself, Anya, and Ayan here. Next up, we have an audio for you, and it's by Nayuka Gori. Nayuka Gori is a lot of things. They're a writer, a campaigner for Aboriginal rights, women's and environmental rights. And in this audio, they're speaking against the motion, and it's called Stop Idolizing Youth for the Ethics Centre IQ2 Debate. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. That audio excerpt was uh, of Nayuka Gori, writer and campaigner, speaking against the motion of idolising youth um, during the climate debate, and that was for the Ethics Centre IQ2 debate. Once again, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio with myself, Anya, and Ayan. We've got a very packed show today. And I think, I don't know if we mentioned the date. It's the 6th of August, and it looks like it's 9 degrees outside. So I hope you've all rugged up and tuned in. 3CR broadcasters present over 100 radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. Come to more at 3CR Community Radio. Please subscribe now. Just come on to 3CR Community Radio. Araja al Ishtrakal and. Ningal Ungalin Samuha Vanali 3CR Kurt Kondirkan Rikal. 
Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. On the line now, we have Patho Sengupta, a filmmaker based in Sydney, and Dr. Yazir Morsi, a lecturer in politics at La Trobe University. And they're joining us this morning to discuss Patho Sengupta's new film, Slam, which addresses Islamophobia in Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, good morning. Good I'm morning. very happy to be here. Thank you. Here. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. We have both of you on the line. Oh, wow. <laughs> live air, like live radio. <laughs> the wonders like, of modern technology. Patho, maybe we'll start with you first. Um, sure. So you've written and directed this film, Slam, which is showing at MIF and at Sydney Film Festival. Can you tell us a little bit about the film? Yes, so so this is my third feature film, and uh, I'm a recent migrant to Australia. Uh, recent, okay, it's been almost seven years, and this is my first Australian film. And the film is set in Western Sydney, hmm. and it's the story of this young slam poet called Amina, who is a hijabi slam poet who, after a concert, disappears. And the film is about the disappearance of this person and how it affects her family and everybody around it. And and the fact that she is a hijabi woman, a hijabi Muslim woman with a very strong political voice, uh, how her disappearance uh, makes her into a political entity and she becomes uh, uh, dehumanized and she's, uh, she's taken up by the media, by the politics and transformed into something else. Mm. That's what the film is about. So it's it's playing, it played at the Sydney Film Festival in uh, last month, and now it's playing at the Melbourne Film Festival on Friday and Sunday. Mm. And this is the yarn, by the way. Um, the film especially feels timely in Australia in a year when Aya Marawi, who is a young Palest- was a young Palestinian woman, um, was studying in Melbourne. Um, who was also uh, who was killed. Um, following her death, many media organisations refused to refer to her as Palestinian um, rather than describing her as Israeli or Arab Israel. Um, in both Aya's story and in the story the film tells, we see, young, we see a young woman dehumanised and her identity manipulated. Um, can you talk about why you chose this story and more broadly Islamophobia? Islamophobia? Yes, I think I think Islamophobia is for me is just uh, just a form of racism, and and in, in it has it has all aspects of uh, racism that has happened to other 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 people in in the past, and and I think that when I decided to make my third feature film, um, I I was I wanted to speak about speak about racism. I wanted to speak about how racism is constructed against people, and and people are vilified. Um, and, and for me, when I when I was looking for something to, I was looking for a subject. I, I it was just by chance that I went to see a poetry slam in Western Sydney at the Bankstown Poetry, uh, at the Bankstown Arts Centre, and I saw this young woman in a hijab who who was one of the poets. And um and at that at that time, this was this was back in uh, 2000 and 2013, 2014, there was a lot of uh, vilification happening in, in the media and, uh, and, and by politicians. 
against uh, against Muslims and especially women, Muslim women who wore the hijab. And and for me, it was it was when I saw her on stage and I saw her performing, um, it was a complete contradiction to the way um, a Muslim woman is presented because a Muslim woman in a hijab is you know often seen as a symbol of uh, some kind of you know. Some kind of patriarchal, patri- patriarchal authority that is being exerted upon her, and then she has no power. She's completely powerless, mm. or she's seen as someone promoting some kind of radical or political mm. Islam. Um, so, uh, for me, this this story of this young woman in a hijab speaking, having a voice, having a political voice through her poetry, um, was something that I wanted to I wanted to speak about, and. And actually, after the after the poetry slam, I saw her walk away into you know she left the poetry slam and she went away, um, and and that's when I got the idea for this film. And I said like, so what happens if this this woman, uh, who's just a young woman from Western Sydney, disappears? Something happens to her. Does it, what will happen to her family? How will how will the, our world, the media, the politicians use this disappearance? To, to you know to their own means and 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 continue this the continue racism practicing racism upon people upon migrants yeah and I, this question is for the both of you why do you think it's important for Australians to see this film uh, we'll start with Yasir yeah sure um hello can you hear me yeah we can hear you perfectly <laughs> yeah so uh I think any commentary on Islamophobia and uh lived experiences of Muslims in Australia is an important film, an uh, important commentary to have, especially when the rest of uh, mainstream society seems to, I think, lack the patience to have a proper conversation to look at the broader um, consequences of racism. So in that sense, it's important. But on another level, um, while being involved in the movie and watching it, it's, it's great to see Muslims on uh, represented in screens in different roles, uh, Having different, having different aspects of our lives um, portrayed in the not so cliche ways as the, mm. the, is so often the case in other movies. Mm. And, and Partha, do you have any contributions? Yes, I, I think that I think the, the, we live in a society where images and video and and pictures uh, dictate our lives, you know, and, and history is recorded in uh, through our videos and pictures. I see more and more young people watching, uh, you know, YouTube videos and documentaries for, as a mm. source of history. Uh, so I think making films about subjects which are, which concern us, which concern our society are, uh, is an act of politics for me, and, and I think that, especially in Australia, where cinema is often um, some kind of entertainment, and 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 often is very very white, it it uh, and represents very white stories, it never represents stories about uh, the real structure of the Australian population. Uh, I, I think it's important for us to make films about serious films uh, about what concerns. You know, the Australian population. I've I've tried to make a film that speaks about not just about migrants, but speaks about all Australians. Uh, that that this is our society, and we need to speak about it. And I suppose um, sometimes criticism is made when it comes to art. People seeing art as a luxury. But do you think art can also start conversations, difficult conversations, 
I think art art is a, is is a conversation starter. It, it is it is in, in in all ways, and it has always been some kind a conversation starter. I think um, to make it as make it into something that is just decorative or just for entertainment is is demeaning art because I think artists uh, all over the world in all different times have used art to speak about things that that surround us that surround our society um, we must look at art as a as a political tool it's not just you know it's not just a decoration on the wall Mm, absolutely. And Yasser, I've got a question for you. Um, sure. You've written a book titled Radical Skin, Moderate Masks and other pieces about the framing of Muslim people as radical uh, or moderate. Yep. Can you expand on this idea a little for our listeners? And then to bring it back to the film, do you think it's possible in our society for art to give people the ability to speak radically through their moderate masks? Absolutely. A great question. So, yeah, sure. My, my book basically traces the pressure on Muslims to perform a particular type of identity, a particular type of Muslim identity that fits well with what uh, mainstream or white Australia wants from us. Um, the Good Immigrant Story as one example, the politically obedient or docile subject that um, obeys all the, the laws as well as the values of this country without uh, performing dissent legally or otherwise. So um, often when we depart slightly, ever so slightly from that, we're deemed radical. Um, and with the war and terror in the background, there's a whole lot of scrutiny and policing of Muslim voices, bodies, uh, ideas, groupings, and so forth. So my book explored that kind of pressure and uh, used the binary of the good-bad Muslim, like inevitably we're one or the other. We're either um, well-integrated well and telling stories about how fantastic and multicultural Australia is, or we're deemed as um, bad Muslims and threats mm. um, to society and ourselves. So um, the space in between good and bad is where most of us live our lives, you know, where the whole kaleidoscope of human emotions we carry and experiences. And um, the good part of, part of, good thing about part of this movie is that I, I feel like it, it brings into commentary the, the everydayness. Uh, doesn't, a lot of commentary around racism, for instance, um, caricatures the racist, makes it uh, evident a kind of Pauline Hanson figure of the mm. guy on the train that tells you to go back to where you came from. But it, it works differently in everyday life. It's a pressure, an unseen pressure mm-hmm. um, that you often internalize. It's the idea that you continually watch. And for that reason, to answer your second question about art, mm-hmm. I think those type of mediums, um, film and otherwise, can capture those nuances in ways often text or academics can't. So, yes, uh, I think the idea that the specter or shadow of the radical always um hovering above us as Muslims and is captured well by Paso and I think uh, mm-hmm. both uh, my book and his film in many ways goes to the commentary how some of us, if we dissent politically in any way, we can't escape that shadow of being titled and defined and seen as radicals. Mm. And I mean, like you mentioned, you know, things are really going rapidly downhill in politics and society. Um, and, you know, this is for, for you both. What do you see as the most important way we can focus our energy to try and change things? Maybe we'll start with you, Yasir. Sure. I mean, my, my, my type of anti-racism has always been about self-determination. I, I try to stay away from continually trying to educate white society about who we are and so forth. I understand that plays a role, but a lot of people are doing that mm. already. So 
um, who Muslims are, what we believe, and so forth. That's one aspect of it. But I think the other aspect is neglected, and that is uh, investing in communities to build their own art, their own institutions, to tell their own stories, um, to represent their own voices, and to have their own contests amongst each other without having to continually, for lack of a better term, perform either good or bad Muslims mm. for uh, mainstream society. So I think more, to, to put it in a, in a term, more investment into uh, marginalized minority communities so they can express themselves and mm. hold in positions in institutions where they can um, help themselves move forward rather than uh, deal with the often banal idea of anti-racism of us all getting along together and um, mm. being good subjects. Absolutely. And what about you, Patho? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. This, it, it's a very, it's a very dark time that we live in, and um, you know, every 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 morning when I wake up and I turn on turn on the news, there's always something extremely horrible happening somewhere in the world, mm-hmm. uh, and it's aimed at at migrants, at people of color, um, and I think that that it's important for us, especially today, to to continue to to express ourselves and and and. And build, like as Yasser says, you know, the, you know, construct communities that that speak the same language, you know, um, that that we are there, we 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 understand what's going on, and and we continue, we must have the courage to speak out against it, uh, despite the pressure, despite um, all the, all, you know, the, the the lack of spaces that 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 are that are happening because mm. more and more uh, finance, you know, funding is being taken away from, from art. I think, I think it's important for us to continue to express ourselves, continue to speak against all this. And I've seen with this film, um, you know, despite it being a film that it's, it's rarely that, that in Australia a film like this is made a film about, about politics, which is not a comedy or it's not a, you know, uh, a, you know, Two sides. Let's let's look at the two sides kind of thing. Mm. Um, uh, I think this film, despite everything, you know, despite the lack of support um, that we've received uh, in in uh, the moment, of, you know, a film once it's made, it, it still has to be seen. Um, we thank. I'm very thankful to the film festivals that the Sydney Film Festival and especially the Travelling Film Festival that's taking the film into. Smaller, smaller, smaller cities, and you know it has played in Newcastle and it placed it uh, in Wollongong last week. And uh, from I wasn't there, but I heard that there was there was a large crowd in the hall, and and I'm and it's going to play in other film festivals in in Australia, and we will have a small uh, release in in I think especially in Melbourne. Um, I think it's important that we continue to speak, and uh, despite. Um, I mean, I faced a lot of um, criticism, and and you know, which uh, from you know, which the film provokes a lot of white fragility. And but on the other hand, I, there's been a lot of support from mm. a lot of people, from allies, from from people from the community. And I think uh, it's important for us to continue to do this. Absolutely, very well put. Um, you know, we can keep talking about this forever, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But thank you so much for both of you um, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Fighting for our rights Every 
Listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio, we just heard from Patho Sengupta, a filmmaker based in Sydney, and Dr. Yazir Morsi, a lecturer in politics at La Trobe University, discussing Patho Sengupta's new film Slam. Slam is showing in Melbourne this Friday, 9th of August, 9 p.m., and on Sunday, 11th of August at 3:45 p.m. And you can get tickets on the MIF website or through the MIF box office. On the line now, I'm very pleased to um, share with you that we have Jess Mata, who is um, going to talk to us about a very, very important event. Thanks for joining us today, Jess. Jess, can you hear me? Yes, still here. Sorry, <laughs> mother had some technical issues right then. Ah, we're having quite a morning uh, this morning. Um, how are you, Jess? Thank you for joining us today. I'm doing very well, thank you, and thank you for having me on your program. Our pleasure. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself first? Sure. So my name is Jess. I use they, them pronouns, and I currently work with Transgender Victoria, which is located at Drummond Street in the city. Um, and we are running a fantastic program called We Deserve, which mm-hmm. is all about really asking those questions around what do you deserve in a meaningful and respectful relationship? Mm, that's beautiful. So it's, um, I guess it will address questions about family violence and domestic violence, I would assume? Definitely. So it all falls under the umbrella of With Respect, which is a new organisation that is looking at primary prevention into different aspects of family and domestic violence. Mm. And we're specifically looking at how does violence manifest or form in relationships where transgender and gender diverse people um, exist in those structures. Yeah, and that's not a discussion that's commonly had in the, you know, family violence, intimate partner violence sort of space, is it? That's true. So there's been a lot of research, and rightfully so, into violence against women, and that needs to continue. Mm. But what we've found is once we start layering on intersectionalities of identities, may it be if you're a person with a disability, if you're gender diverse, um, the aspects of how violence manifests and how it occurs changes. And what we are finding as well, that the drivers of violence are slightly different. So this whole project is about trying to identify what causes violence in those structures Mm -hmm. where there's trans and gender diverse people and then how do we start addressing them. Yeah, and how what is the what is the way that you're going about, you know, finding this information? Are you interviewing people or what is Mm. the So it's a whole co-designed project, which is fantastic. So every step of the way, the trans and gender diverse community have been with us Mm. in focus groups, in interviews, in consultation. Um, And we've collected their voices and put together 
some information about where the key moments of vulnerabilities are mm. and really also ask them what would they like to see in a primary prevention tool mm. and how they would like to see the sector. So those big organisations that really focus on family and domestic violence, what do they need to do to change to be more welcoming mm. for trans and gender diverse clients? Absolutely. And, it, you know, it shouldn't be a radical idea, but listening to people who are, you know, the, the demographic that you're trying to mm. assist is the most important thing. Um, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so you're also organising um, two social events related to We Deserve. Yes, we are. So what has come out of these focus groups is the community said that they wanted to see positive representation, realistic positive representation of relationship structures. Mm. And it's three videos of different ways where violence could manifest, but don't because the individuals in those spaces have used um, their knowledge uh, to uh, be able to weave through the situation to be able to navigate away from violence mm. um, and that's the whole concept of primary prevention it is having someone have the tools and knowledge to be able to use them before violence manifests so we're doing a, a beautiful um, two social events mm. one is more focused on the sector so if you are listening and if you, this is a space that you work in and that you're really interested in would highly recommend that you come along to that one and the other one is focused solely on people who identify as trans, gender diverse and non-binary and their loved ones as well. Yeah, okay. And so it's a, it's a film screening? Yes. So mm -hmm. we'll be screening all the films mm -hmm. and we'll be having a facilitated conversation afterwards about unpacking um, the nuances of the video so people can walk away mm. feeling more empowered and a little bit more knowledgeable. Beautiful. And when is it happening? Yes. So it's happening next week, which is super soon. Um, the first one will be the sector night, which is happening Tuesday next week. Mm -hmm. And the doors will be opening at 2 o'clock for a 2.30 start. And that's located at Library at the Dock mm -hmm. in Docklands. Mm. And then the community night is located, will be happening, sorry, same place, but starting at 5 o'clock. The doors will be opening mm. on Friday next week for a 5.30 start. Beautiful. Do people have to um, register or get tickets or anything like that? So it's a complete free event mm. and there'll be food provided, but you do need to register so we know how much we need to cater for. Mm. Um, so please check out... <clears throat> Sorry, please check out our Facebook page. Um, if you go to Facebook and search We Deserve, you should be able to find us. Beautiful. Um, or check out Transgender Victoria, and there should be some information there as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. All the best. Thank you for having me, and sorry for the technical difficulties. No worries at all. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. The time is 8.09 and now we have a special guest, uh, Daniel Corsay. Daniel Corsay is the Policy and Projects Officer at Federation of Ethnic Communities Councils of Victoria, Inc. 
FECA for short. Daniel joins us this morning to discuss FECA's new toolkit designed to help culturally and linguistically diverse older Australians tell their stories to the Aged Care Royal Commission. Welcome to Tuesday, Daniel. Hi, I can hear you. Can okay, you hear perfect. I can hear you now. Sorry. Today, for some odd reason, we've been having so many technical difficulties, so we do apologise <laughs> for that. Um, can you start us off by telling us a bit about the Royal Commission on Aged Care Quality and Safety? Sure. Um, well, the Commission is looking into the broader aged care system in Australia, so it includes residential homes and home care packages. Um, they're very clear that they want to know what the problems are, what's working well, and most importantly, ideas for change. Mm. Um, they're really encouraging people to tell them their personal stories and experience, um, and that's been going on now since um, February, March. But um, what's of particular interest to us is that um, we approach them and they agree to accept submissions in other languages, languages other than English. Mm. And that can be in writing, by phone, or even through a recorded message, because we know some older people may not necessarily be literate in their own language. Right. And the Commission will pay all those translation costs. Oh, wow, um, that's amazing. No cost to the consumer. So it's a, it's a significant step, and we're really grateful for that. Yeah, it's huge. Um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, FECA has introduced a new, new toolkit. Can you tell us... Um, uh, about the toolkit and the type of information it provides? Sure. Um, well, we, one of the issues that we have is that despite the Commission agreeing to accept languages, uh, submissions in languages other than English, we know that many people from different cultural backgrounds are really reluctant to complain or to raise issues. They're often fearful of government processes, and the Royal Commission itself is quite a complicated process. So we... Um, we really wanted to develop a, a toolkit that will assist. It's really designed for organisations that support um, older coloured people, so ethno-specific social clubs or organisations, or their families, um, to have conversations with the older people to try and explain to them in really clear and simple terms, explaining everything, um, what the Royal Commission is, um, mm. why it's important that people from culturally diverse backgrounds tell their stories because these voices are often not heard for the reasons I've described yeah. and then how to make a submission in their own language. Mm. So the kit contains some back, basic background information about the submission and then three conversation cards um, giving prompts for people to have a conversation with people. So that, as I say, explaining what the World Commission is, explaining all the jargon. There's a, um, it deals with privacy and confidentiality concerns. Mm. The second conversation really gives people guidance in, in terms of the kinds of things they might want to say to the Royal Commission. Um, that came through very strongly at the beginning that people felt, yes, they might be interested in making a submission, but then what would I possibly say? Right. And then the third, the third conversation then is actually how to make the submission, either as I say, in writing or by phone or by sending a recording. Mm. And it's important that we try and get as many cold people to tell their story yeah. um, to the Royal Commission because there are real issues for um, people from culturally diverse backgrounds in accessing and navigating the aged care system. It's incredibly complex. The My Aged Care website is really, again, hard to navigate. Um, and we know that there are a limited number of ethnic-specific facilities that deal with um, aged care services to people from particular communities. So many people are now having to use mainstream facilities and there's often a lack of language services. Um, they 
often are not culturally responsive. Um, so questions for us is, um, there's been a lot of debate actually in the Royal Commission about chemical constraints. Do you know what that is? No. Chemical constraints is when they've been drugging people, particularly people with dementia, to kind of keep them manageable. And, and it's a really hot issue at the moment. Yeah. But I think there's a, what we could call cultural restraint as well. So if you can imagine what it would be like to be from a different culture, being having services from somewhere where you can't have many opportunities to use your preferred language. Yeah. And we know as older people get older, or particularly if they have dementia, they often revert to their primary language, even if they spoke English. Do they have access to their ethnic, cultural, social organisations? Are the staff always culturally competent? Are there some cultures might have particular views about the gender of their carers? You know, is that respected? Yeah. Um, are there opportunities to practice your cultural religious traditions? What about? There's been a lot of focus on how terrible food is in some aged care facilities. But what about traditional food that you know people from different cultures would really like to have? Yeah. And, that's, um, and in that's... general, in general, too, there's just isolation, um, vulnerability, and of course, often discrimination as well. So we yeah. think these stories are really important to tell, and hopefully, lead the royal commission to consider mm. the stories and make appropriate recommendations. Yeah, 100%. On Tuesday at breakfast, we're really big on self-determination, so we understand the importance of telling your story and yeah. um, sharing that with the world. Um, where can people get this toolkit? Um, there is an electronic version online at the FECA website. So that's au. And we do have print copies um, that can be mailed out. Um, people can, um, again, there's a, you can access a, a request for a paper copy on that website. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Daniel. And thank you for your interest. We're talking about ecological thinning and subsidised longing, but we basically mean the same things, don't we, here? Wherever there are chemical corporations around the world, they're constantly trying to chip away at regulations. Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories from developments in government and industry to the campaigns and communities that are standing up to them. Earth Matters plays at 11am Sunday and 6.30am Wednesday. Turn your dial to 855am or listen online at 3cr.org.au. While the headlines have subsided, the nuclear power plant is still not under control with the spent fuel rods removed from only one out of four reactors. Law needs to change so that uh, our rights can be recognised so that decisions in relation to the use and exploitation of our lands is out. Welcome back. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio with myself, Ayan. Anya had to dip out because she is doing that 9 to 5 life. Um, so we just want to thank all of our guests for coming on today, for bearing with us as we, um, you know, struggled with some tech issues that usually happen during live radio. Um, but just some reminders, if you're interested in the toolkit, and this is the toolkit that FECA um, created, and the toolkit is to assist um, older Australians who are from culturally and linguistically diverse communities um, tell their stories to the Royal Commission into Aged Care. So if you know someone like that or you have a family member, um, 
please call 02-682-575 for a physical copy, but you can also get it online at www.fecca.org.au. Um, follow the links to the toolkit. And also we want to thank um, uh, Partha Sengupta, um, who is a filmmaker based in Sydney, and Dr. Yasir Mursi, a lecturer in politics at La Trobe University. They came on earlier to discuss Sengupta's new film, Slam. You can catch Slam um, in Melbourne this Friday, 9th of August at 9pm, and on Sunday, 11th of August at 3.45pm. Tickets are available on the MIF website or through MIF box office. So thank you so much for everyone um, that came on our show. And we are done. But before we let you go, we're just going to play a track by Lely, uh, sorry, Lakely47 called Wash and Set. If you've got some kids in the car, um, you might want to uh, switch off because it does have some colorful language. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.